Hey everybody, this is Pierre Quinn and you're listening to episode number 97 of the Leading While Green podcast where my mission is to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. On this episode of the podcast, I am bringing you a snippet of my closing keynote speech from the National Association for Court Management Conference in Las Vegas. Had an awesome time in Vegas giving this closing keynote speech. And much of the speech is based on my book that I just released, Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. So I offer a good chunk of that keynote presentation. So listen up. My new book, Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going, is available on my website, prcquin.com slash scared. People are asking, hey, how come it's not available on Amazon? Well, not yet. Not yet. But you can get your signed copy at prcquin.com slash scared. And I'd be happy to put that in the mail for you. Okay, on today's episode of the podcast, I got a good chunk of my closing keynote, the National Association for Court Management Conference in Las Vegas at the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. And the the presentation is based on my book. The title of the keynote was How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. My book is Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. And I give a sizable chunk of that keynote, sizable chunk. So without any further ado, here's a good section of my closing keynote, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. My lions and lionesses got real mad right there. What you mean? These individuals are they're loyal to the organization. They're supportive. They're team players. They're compassionate. They, they want to be there for other people. They want to make sure everybody contributes. If we're ordering lunch and we're just going to make the order, say, no, 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 no. Let's ask Kathy what she wants. <laughs> Kathy's not paying. Kathy doesn't have an opinion. Why are we asking Kathy? No. <laughs> but that's how they are. That's how they are. They just they just care about. Now, they're not like the previous one, the out of the social people. The social people, they're going to be social whether or not you're going to be social. Be social all by yourself. They, I mean, they could talk to a rock and get the backstory. They're, they're, they're that type of person. But these these people, loyals, golden retrievers, they're 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 really loyal and committed, but they're afraid. of Sudden change. These are the people, when it's time to download new software, they get upset. You're laughing, aren't you? It's true. When there's a new process for filing, they're mad. They've mastered the process. They're proficient with the process. Why do we have to go about changing things? Some of these people would still have a flip phone if it worked. Because it worked. And this is how you support people like this. You show them, not just lip service, when they're afraid, sometimes they're pushing back on the change because they're afraid. When they're afraid, you encourage them, but you provide for them the same tangible support that they give to other people. Because they already, they always got your stuff. They always got your back. They're always there for you. When they're afraid, they need to know that you'll be there for them. Here's the last one, knowing the stats. You're a stats person. Anybody like that in the room? Can you please stand? Okay, few of us, 
faithful few. Thank you. Have a seat. These are the individuals who are watching my PowerPoint and paying attention to the typographical errors. <laughs> Me, I'm, I don't really care about typos. I just want to have a good time and talk to everybody. But they're, they're detailed, they're meticulous, they're analytical, high standards, they're orderly. They want to make sure that everything flows the way it's supposed to flow. And when it doesn't flow the way it's supposed to flow, they get upset because their biggest fear is, is criticism. Being told they do something wrong. It's hard to give people like this performance evaluations because they take, they take the response very, very close to the heart. So how do you help them when they're afraid? You, you give them the facts and you give them time to digest. Give them the time that they need. Because they want to make sure that things are being done well. Now, here's the thing. Bud Bray puts this in his book. Is it too late to, to quit my job and join the circus? This is what he says. Unfortunately, most people don't understand themselves. Most people don't want to lose their illusions about themselves. Although they say they want to change, they want to take charge of their career. Sometimes we lie because we don't want to go through the hard work of facing the reality of who we are. So the first thing is taking another look at yourself, because sometimes courage is simply going on the journey to understand yourself a bit better. The second thing is take a look at who needs you to succeed. Like if I'm scared, if I'm overwhelmed, if the project is too much, if it's too daunting, if it's too many hours that I have to put in, how, how, and I'm feeling overwhelmed, how do I respond? And sometimes finding my courage is simply taking another look at who needs me, at who needs me to be successful. For Heather Dornadin, it was 2008. It's one of, the, one of those videos on YouTube that everybody watches. 2008, Heather Dornadin, Big Ten indoor track and field championships. She was running in the 600 meter. She was a favorite to win. She's running for the University of Minnesota. And as she is running, as, as they start to go into that last lap, Heather trips and falls on her face. Like smack dab on her face. If you know anything about sports in general, seconds are like eternity. And she falls on her face and you hear this like collective sigh from the crowd. Everybody goes, <gasps> as the other runners are just dashing around the corner. And when they interviewed her sometime later, they asked her, Heather, what was going through your mind? She said, when I hit, when I hit the ground, I realized at that moment that even though I might not be able to win, this is a team sport. And even if I can't win, I can still score some points for my team, but I won't be able to score the points if I'm laying flat on my face. So within seconds, Heather picks herself up and she runs with reckless abandon. And you know, you know how the story ends. You've seen movies about things like this. She is running with reckless abandon and she is catching up to the field and you hear the announcer say, watch out for Heather Dornadin. This girl, who was flat on her face, who was embarrassed, who was in pain, who was in overwhelmed, got up and ran, not just for herself, but for the people who needed her the most. And she won the race. Had an experience of hearing the story of a, of a kid several years ago who, who fell into a coma. Energetic, healthy kid, but something happened at school and he got a hold of something that he wasn't supposed to have. And it made him sleepy for the rest of his day. 
Everyone's trying to keep him awake, the teachers, the students, because this is uncharacteristic of this, of him. And he finally gets home and at home, his, his parents are trying to keep him awake. They're trying, why are you so sleepy? You had enough sleep last night. What's wrong with you? And the final recourse is they take him to the hospital. By the time he gets to the hospital, he slips into a coma. And in that coma, the doctors say a foreign substance has entered into his body and, and he's in the coma to protect himself. And they said, it doesn't matter how much you how much you push, how much you prod, how much you shake. Something inside of him has to wake up. Something inside of him has to say that it's not time to die. And something inside of him has to say there's still more work to do. And that's the reason why I like French toast. You're like, what does that have to do with anything? Because after being in a coma for three days, I woke up and I hit the button. And the nurse comes in with a huge smile on her face. And she says, are you hungry? I mean, I've been out for three days. I'm pretty hungry. And she said, I'll call the cafeteria and I'll, they'll bring you up some food. And they bring a plate of French toast. My first time ever having French toast. But French toast serves as a reminder that my work is not done. And that if my body could say in the most dire of situations that you need to get up and keep going. And I should be able to handle other situations in life when that happens. Who's counting on you to get up? You can't score points for your team lying flat on your face. Even though you're embarrassed, overwhelmed, tired, ready to give up. Who needs you to pull yourself up off the pavement and keep running? And in the moments where you're not brave enough to run for yourself, maybe you'll be brave enough to run for somebody else. The last thing is this. Take a look at what you've been ignoring. What's the looming thing? What's the conversation you know you need to have? What's that issue that professionally, maybe in your office, that keeps resurfacing? You've tried to ignore it, and it keeps coming back over and over and over and over and over again. It's the dragon that won't back down until you slay it. It's the mountain that you can't go around or under. you got to climb it. What's that situation look like for you? For me, as a kid, it was at a place called Cedar Point. Anybody from Ohio? I'm from Michigan, so um, yeah, I don't know what to say to you. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Yeah. So go to this place called Cedar Point in the world, always top one, two or three, the best roller coaster theme park in the world. And I remember getting at the age where I could, you know, you're tall enough. You got to be like this height to ride the rides that really count. And I remember the year that I got to that height. And I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride the biggest, fastest roller coaster at Cedar Point this year. And I got to Cedar Point. Like when you're going, Cedar Point's kind of like on an island, and when you're going there, you can see the, the roller coasters way far out in the distance. And as I got closer to Cedar Point, I, I was like, wait a minute, I, I, I need to rethink this whole biggest, fastest roller coaster thing. Like I'm, I'm still young, I got a whole life ahead of me, I need to, I need to be cautious about my choices. Now I told everybody I was gonna ride the roller coaster. 
when we get to the park, I said, uh, I'll ride it later. And I ride a couple of other rides. You ready to go to the roller coaster? No, no, I'll ride it later. But it seemed like everywhere I went in the park, the roller coaster was looking at me. And I'd be eating a funnel cake or, 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 or eating chicken strips and it would be looking at me. I would come out of the bathroom and the roller coaster would be looking at me, like taunting me, harassing me. And for the rest of the day, I avoided riding the roller coaster. And people say, hey, you said you're going to ride it. I'm just not up to it this year. And I remember driving away from Cedar Point that particular, particular year. Because remember, it's really easy to display courage after the fact. That, that roller coaster wasn't even ready for me today. If I had rode the roller coaster today, they would have had to shut the whole thing down and no one could ride after me. So it's, it's good for the roller coaster. But the truth is, I was scared. The next year we go back to Cedar Point. The next year I say, I'm going to ride the biggest, fastest roller coaster, no matter what it takes. And I rode it first. Knees shaking. Palms sweating, voice quivering. Pierre, you right? You ready? You're excited? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. And it was the most frightening, exhilarating, awe-inspiring 90 seconds of my life up to that point. And when I got off that ride, even though we were up and down and loop the loop, when I got off that ride, I felt so accomplished. Like I had conquered this thing and that particular roller coaster was not going to look menacingly down at me for the rest of the day because I had rode the biggest, fastest. And you know what happened? Every other ride after that was like, meh. Hey, what'd you think about this roller coaster? Meh. What about that one? Meh. Just meh. Yeah, because I've already rode the biggest and fastest. So there's nothing for me to be afraid of now. For my daughter, it was her bike. Now I was a little late. Don't tell anybody this. I know the people watching this streaming around the world aren't gonna tell anybody either. I was a little late to the whole teach your kid how to ride a bike thing. A little late. So I said, okay, I need to teach at least my youngest daughter how to ride a bike. And I said, all right. Where do you go when you know you need to do something important, but you don't know how to do it? YouTube. And you just find yourself YouTubing the number two search engine in the world. You find yourself YouTubing the most random things like how to teach your kid to ride a bike in one day. And I found a video that said how to teach your kid how to ride a bike in 10 minutes. I said, this is great. The video was four minutes long, so I got six minutes to, to teach her how to ride a bike. So I, I, I watched the video, and I said, this is going to be a breeze. This is going to be easy. This is going to be super easy. You know it took more than 10 minutes, right? But I'm proud to say that my daughter learned how to ride a bike in 40 minutes. Now, she scared me because she was wobbling. And I'm glad her mother wasn't watching at the time. But as the days progressed, she got more and more confident. Now, three, four days later, we're riding. And she says, Dad, before we go home, can we just ride around the park? And we're riding around the park. Well, she's riding and I'm observing. She's going in these circles around the park. Just real, real, real simple, real chill circles around the park. And then she hit a bump in the path. 
And I'm like, ah. You ever have those moments where life just is moving in slow motion and there's nothing that you can do about it? I'm watching my daughter as she hits the bump and she does not know how to recover yet. And I'm watching as she and the bike go tumbling to the ground. Now, I'm hoping it's going to be one of those moments of, oh, yeah, okay, I fell. All right, let's go. It wasn't. She scraped her hand. She scraped her knee. She scraped her lip. There's blood pouring out of her face. And she stands up and she says, Daddy, I want to go home. Daddy, take me home. Daddy, Daddy, I want to see Mommy and my sister take me home. And I scoop up my little daughter and I'm running home as fast as I possibly can. And we get into the house. We're tending to her wounds because this is traumatic for her. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this is bad. She's never going to want to ride a bike ever again. We just need to take it back to Walmart. You know, it was probably that Walmart bike. I know I should have spent more money on a bike. All these things fluttering through my mind. I just left it alone. Two days later. Daddy. Can you take me out to ride my bike again? On the inside, I'm turning cartwheels. But I can't let her know that I'm that excited. I ask her, my youngest daughter, her name is Ella. Ella, why do you want to go back out and ride your bike? She said, because I don't want to be scared anymore. She didn't want to wake up every day and have to pass by that bike going out of the garage, knowing that bike had something on her. Knowing that bike kept her afraid. She said, Dad, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to be scared anymore. And if not being scared anymore means getting back on the bike, even though there's a possibility that I might fall again. Even though I'm nervous, even though I'm overwhelmed, even though I don't know how it's going to turn out, I'm getting back on the bike. So what's your roller coaster? What's your bike? What's the prevailing issue or challenge? What's the lingering thing that until you address it with uncertainty, because courage just means you're doing it anyway, even though you're scared. What's the thing that if you don't address will keep coming back? Several years ago, I was at the library with my daughters like to drop them off and do little activities. And I dropped them off at the library and I went to grab something to eat. I'm eating in the car before I go back in to pick them up. And I noticed something I had never seen before. There's this huge crow, this huge crow flying in the air. But the crow is being chased. This huge crow, this menacing crow, this, this, this scavenger crow is being chased by a small brown bird. It was really intriguing. And and I thought about it for the rest of my time in the car and I go in and I pick up the kids and then I get home and I do what we do when we want to know something, but we don't know what to do. I Google it. I type in the search engine, small bird chases large bird. Like this is deep research that I'm doing right now. (laughs) And I found that the term is called mobbing. It is when smaller birds defend their nests from predatory birds. 
And usually they gather together, these smaller birds, and they fight off vultures, and they fight off crows, and they fight off owls sometimes. It's usually a a group of them that mob together to fight off the enemy. But what I noticed on this particular day, there was no mob. There was only one small brown bird. And that one small brown bird was giving it everything that it had. It was chasing this crow. It was darting at this crow. It was nipping at this crow. And this crow was aggressively trying to get away. I don't know what the nest looked like. I don't know what the bird was protecting. I just know that the bird said, no matter what it costs, I'm going to protect the thing that matters the most. The truth is, we're like that small brown bird. That our life, our leadership, our professional journey, the things that matter to us in many cases are like eggs in a nest. In the rest of the world, this world of of fear, this world that's opposing, this world that is dangerous, is trying everything that it can to take the best of you. And there are many times where you have to be just like a small brown bird. And even if you're by yourself. Even if nobody else is fighting with you, even if nobody else wants to be brave. You will chase away the things that are coming against you to protect the things that matter most. I love how Marianne Mocker puts it. Courage doesn't always roar. Remember that from the beginning? Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. And as you go back home, you're going to have a day that goes well or you feel brave, or you feel courageous, where everything works out the way that you need it to work out. And you're gonna have a day in which you fail. A day that you don't feel brave, a day that you don't feel courageous, a day that things don't turn out the way that they should. But here's what everyday courage looks like. If the day goes great, if the day goes badly, at the end of the day, you make the promise to yourself, to try again tomorrow. It's my hope, it's my wish, it's even my prayer that no matter what you're dealing with in life, you find the courage to try again tomorrow. Thank you. Had a great time giving the closing keynote for the National Association for Court Management Conference at the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. An incredible time. And I love this aspect of my professional career, traveling and giving keynote presentations, workshops, seminars, helping leaders from all walks of life across industries become better at what they do and be better to the people they serve. Hey, let everybody know about this Leading Wild Green journey because that's all I got for this episode. So I need you to share it on your social media. I need you to hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review and some comments. And wherever you listen to podcasts, you can even ask Alexa to play the latest episode of the Leading Wild Green podcast and she will bring it up for you. And you might want to hop over to prcquin.com slash scared and pick up your signed copy. Order your signed copy of my new book, Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. And until next time, take care and God bless.